Welcome to the All of Christ for All of Life podcast, where we equip men and women to be faithful in every aspect of life. This week, you will hear Nancy Wilson's talk, Teaching Daughters the Role of Women, from our audio collection titled, Mothers and Daughters. Tonight, I want to wrap up. I realize there's so many different ways we could go with this, and... um, it's not that I think I've covered everything you ever need to know about raising daughters. or, But um, at any rate, tonight I want to talk about mothers imparting to your daughters the, what the role of uh, the woman is, what our calling, what our role is, and how to model that, how to promote it. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Last week, <clears throat> we talked about setting standards and teaching daughters to say no, so forth. And one of the things I'd just like to mention, as we just to connect the two weeks, is we don't want to just get our children to conform to our standards. We want them to love them. And that's different. You know, it's very different. We want them to really... And as I go through these things tonight of what I think uh, mothers need to teach their daughters... It's the same thing. It's not law. Uh, we want it to be love, just a delight. And um, Doug has told many parents, if your children don't love your standards, then you need to lower your standards. And that usually causes people to raise their eyebrows, like, what, what, what? Like, well, which would you rather have? Um, high standards that your kids hate, and they hate you and the standards, or lower standards that they can love and love you. You know, not that those are the only two options always, but somewhere in between. And so often parents have a high standard and they beat their kids over the head with it and the kids hate the standards and hate the parents. And you lose the kids. And so we don't, that's not what we want. We want our children to love what we love. And uh, and oftentimes I think because we don't love the standard either. That's why we impart this idea of just, it's a law. You must do this and that and the other thing. And So I don't want to be just giving more things that would fall in that category tonight. And on top of everything else, you have to do this. <laughs> and you have to do that. And if you don't, you know, you're a lousy Christian. Or we want our children to really uh, love what we love. <clears throat> now, mothers... <coughs> You're passing the torch. You really are. You're training your daughters in what they're called to be. And it should be a real active role, but you can't teach them what you don't know. So we need to understand what is our calling, what's our purpose, what is our role as Christian women, and then how can we teach our daughters to understand that and embrace it and, and love it. So mother's role is very important because when there's a breakdown, it's amazing how quickly... So much is lost just from one generation to the next. And you have to backtrack and get caught up again. So we want to be giving our daughters a big head start and handing them everything we possibly can and uh, equipping them. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her house. A foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And so part of this building, building your house and enabling your daughter to build hers with wisdom, is passing on all these skills, all these, uh, and the character to do it, and the understanding that, as I said, I think maybe the very first week, to have a, a good job description. 
what we're called to do is something wonderful and delightful and not a burden. In 2 Timothy 3, 7, it's describing these, a particular kind of woman. It's actually verse 6 and 7. But it's uh, talking about these men actually earlier who, just a long list of all the bad things they do. They love themselves, they're covetous, boasters, etc., etc., etc. And it says, um, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We don't want to be that kind of woman, and we don't want our daughters to be. You know, ever learning and never able to really get it. They learn and they learn and they read books and they listen to tapes. And learning, ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know, the truth sets us free. We want to lay hold of it, and we want our daughters to get it, and not just be ever learning. These silly women who are just loaded down with sin, and so they're, they're led away. And these men that are listed above, they lead them away. They lead them astray. So, of course, we don't want to be, and we don't want our daughters to be silly women who are just loaded down with sin and never get it. Never, never get it. We want them to get it. But we've got to get it first. Some of the things I thought I'd cover tonight is teaching our daughters. I'll just give you an <clears throat> overview, and then we'll go through each one. Teaching them about contentment, uh, teaching them about respect, teaching them about submission, and teaching them about domesticity. Those are the things I'm going to cover. And there's plenty more. Of course there is, but I just picked out our primary duties, the things that God calls us to do. And I think contentment is so important because if we don't have a real contentment in, in the Lord then all these duties of respect and so forth aren't going to come easy. And we stumble and fall before we ever get started. And I think also, if we can learn contentment, it's amazing the difference it makes in our whole life. It just mm-hmm. makes everything different. And if our daughters can get this early on, the, the secret of being content, it's such a big mercy. So everything I'm going to say tonight, of course, um, moms need to get it and do it and it's not as though we have to achieve like the 100% mark before we can ever teach our daughters (laughs) or they'll we'll never get to teach them anything but we have to realize how important it is for us moms in order because we can't teach things we're just flat out not doing we can teach things we may not be very good at yet but we've got to be serious about applying it ourselves or we can't teach it the I think the uh, connection with contentment is really with the gentle, quiet spirit in First First uh, Peter three. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what a gentle, quiet spirit is, and a lot of, uh, particularly I think, young ladies think it means they're not supposed to talk; they're quiet. You say, "What am I to do?" Because you know I'm just outgoing and bubbly. And I like to talk to people, and I'll never ever get the gentle quiet spirit (laughs) well it's talking about your spirit it's talking about your spirit it's not talking about your personality so of course you may have a very quiet person who does not have a gentle quiet spirit or you might have uh, someone who is very outgoing and has a real peaceful quiet spirit you know it's just but we're all to have it regardless of personality 
this gentle, quiet spirit is invaluable. It's going to get you through a lot of troubles. And you know what? There's a lot of troubles in this life. It just is the way it is. And some have more than others. But to have a contented spirit, a quiet spirit, is going to make a huge difference in how you get through it. Mothers, you have lots of opportunities to have a gentle, quiet spirit. And you have to connect it and think, you know, not only am I to do this out of obedience to God and uh, perhaps in direct obedience to your husband, but I'm, I have to do this to show my girls how to do this. It's, there's lots at stake. Because you have heard, I'm sure you've heard, maybe you've even said, well, my mom just wasn't a good model for me in that. She was great in other things, but that... She didn't, she wasn't a good model there. No, and we just don't want to, we want to be good models for our daughters uh, by the grace of God. But having a gentle, quiet spirit, I've often compared to um, a body of water, you know, a lake. I grew up skiing a lot on lakes and rivers and whatnot. And the best time is, of course, the early morning when there's not a ripple. It's absolutely, it's so peaceful and you just, it's so beautiful. And that's what a quiet spirit is like. It's just, it's just quiet. It's calm and it's not all churned up. There are no white caps. It's no fun to go out on the white caps. Just stay home. Um, and if you've just been out on the water or just sat and looked at the water, you know how beautiful it is like that. That's what a spirit is like that is trusting the Lord. It's just quiet. It's not frantic. It's not. Um, worrisome is at peace. There's no turbulence. Okay? And when your spirit is turbulent, you know it. Maybe not everybody else does, but you do, right? The inside is just the white caps. And you want a quiet spirit. And the only way to get that is to uh, give it to God. Whatever's troubling you, we have to learn to be casting our cares. Uh, Jesus told us to do that. We're not to carry them. We're to let him do that. So we're to be casting. Um, so anyway, he, he's our burden carrier, not us. And remember, we're Calvinists. You know, we believe that God's in control of everything. So we should act like it. It's a sweet doctrine. It's so sweet. And if we just say we believe it, but we, do, but we carry all these concerns around, burdens, um, cast all your cares on him. He cares for you. So what we're to do. So um, be Calvinist. Be consistent. And don't just, you know, know what the five points or whatever, be able to recite that, but not do it. It's not worth anything if you do that. So it's a sweet doctrine, and remember that. Say, you know what? I don't know um, why this happened to me today, but God works everything for our good, if we're, if we're his children. And so in that sense, you can be at peace and say, thank you, Lord, you're in control of this. I believe it, so this is for my good. Um, it means being good stewards of afflictions and hardships and thinking, what should a Christian woman do with this? Being a good steward of it and thinking of, of it as an opportunity. When there's a hard time in your family, it's an opportunity for you to trust the Lord to lead your children through it, show them how Christians walk through trials. Um, that's contentment. Being content with yourself, with your circumstances, with your family, with your finances, with your health. I mean, there's just so many things.
And I've, I've recommended The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment many times by Jeremiah Burroughs and uh, Thomas Watson's The uh, Divine Art of Christian Contentment. They're really life-changing books. And All Things for Good by Watson. I taught through those books several times. Uh, not recently, but several times. And I think the women that went through those studies have told me over the years those were just really uh, life-changing books to get us to think right about these things. So, at any rate, contentment comes from resting in the Lord in the midst of all circumstances. And that is something that if you can teach your daughter and daughters, if you can take every opportunity you have now to learn it, it's fantastic. I mean, not that you'll get it down 100% and never be tested, but that you know when something comes like, I know how to do this. I've done this before. I know how to get under God's feet, and I know how to stay there and trust him to work this out. And this is a lifelong process. And just when you think you've got it, you'll get another opportunity to apply it in a different area. And But it's a good, it's a wonderful study. So, uh, so contentment is where I'd like to, for you to begin in thinking about this. Secondly, teaching respect because, um, of course, wives are called to respect their husband. But there's more than just that because I want all of us to be thinking, you know, we're trying to equip our daughters to be feminine to take on the role God calls them into and it may not be marriage for every last one it may not be but I believe there's fruitfulness in whatever we're called to and it's not like if you're not married you can't be fruitful because certainly those of you who aren't married yet are are capable of being fruitful now so it's not as though you have to wait till you're married all right, first of all, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. If you remember that at the end of Psalm 31. So fearing the Lord is where we begin. A respect, a fear of God is the first thing. And from there, we can work our way down. And daughters, you're to respect your dads. Wives are to respect their husbands. And um, I feel like I mentioned this to you before also in an earlier study, but that as, as moms respect dads, it produces a really wonderful climate for children to grow up in. They love it. It makes them feel secure, even if they don't know, know that's what's happening. But when mom is respectful, when dad is loving, you know, when, when we do it, in other words, the way God says to do it, the children really benefit. Not only does mom benefit, because whenever we're obedient, we benefit, right? We're blessed. Dad benefits because he's being respected, but the children also benefit. And there's a potency in obedience that I don't think we understand that is remarkable and sometimes miraculous, amazing. It's just that just simple obedience has so much potency where you just think, you know, this is what God said to do. I'm just doing it that it's remarkable the things that happen, how it changes us, and nothing else will do it like, like obeying God. So, daughters, we want uh, to teach our daughters to understand respect, to understand what it is, and not start thinking about it when they're engaged. Like, okay, now, what is it I'm supposed to do again? <laughs> because it should be a characteristic of our lives all the way up. 
because daughters should be being taught how to respect their dads. And Doug always told our girls, I don't want you to even think about somebody else unless you respect them more than you respect me. They say, oh, Dad, that's impossible. You know, how would I find somebody? And I say, well, honey, how about we say, as much as? <laughs> Could we do that? And, um, but not that a 20-year-old would have, or 25-year-old, whatever, would have to be at the same place that a 45-year-old would, would be. But just that there's that same, um, the same respectability where you just see, here is someone I respect like my dad. Here's someone I trust like my dad. So we want to help our daughters respect their dads so they can transfer that later when they're at a marriageable age. Now, so important, mothers, daughters, that you understand this. Because daughters, you're not to just respect boys or respect men indiscriminately. No. N-O. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay? Um, don't be too quick to render respect. And I've talked to young women before that were interested in someone and I knew they were just telling me they respected him because they knew they were supposed to do that. It's like, well, he's a bum, but I really respect him. It's like, no, you don't. Or you shouldn't. You shouldn't respect him. Why are you respecting him? What has he done to, to earn your respect? So, so don't be indiscriminate or think, well, he's just really cute and so I respect him so much. You know, it's like, no, no. And mothers, you want to be helping your daughters see that respect is connected to his abilities and his achievements. Okay, and of course it has to do because we're looking for godly character. It's not just that he can make a basket. <laughs> no, but his, his godliness, that you see that he is a, a man who takes God's words seriously. This is, you know, you're looking for... Um, Someone who is a, a serious Christian. But then, as far as teaching your daughters how to render respect, we connect it to things like shooting a basket. It's true. Where you're respecting your brother, you're respecting your dad. It can be good job. Way to go. I'm proud of you for winning the game. But when it comes to selecting a husband, it certainly has to be more than that. Okay, certainly has to be more than that. Sometimes, um, there are young men who are real natural leaders. And because women like that, they're just attracted to these guys who are natural leaders. But sometimes they're leading in the wrong direction. Yeah, their leader's okay. Yeah, but they're leading someplace you don't want to go or you don't want your daughter going. And so it has to be more than that as well. And you can say, well, at least he's leading. Well, yes, but <laughs> we also want to know where is he going. We don't want you just following because he's a good leader, right? We also don't. I guess moms, don't allow your daughters to cultivate relationships with men, and whether it's teachers or um, just older guys, where this kind of a respectfulness develops in a weird kind of way. And by that, I just mean um, dad is for that. Okay? I taught my daughters to write respect notes to their dad, not to their teachers. You know, no. We, it, we keep a little more professional distance there. And um, even, and it's true, you know, you may have <clears throat> a little girl who appreciates her catechism teacher or her school teacher or whatever it is, piano teacher, but just make sure she's not trying to be super um, respectful and doing what you taught her to do with dad to these other men who are her teachers. It's like, no, uh, we can be respectful from a distance and keep the 
more verbal respect for dad. And um, keep dad posted. That means in terms of encouraging our daughters to lean on their dads, look to their dads, and you need to do that, um, you've got to keep dad posted. And I know some daughters have trouble going to dad. There's all kinds of reasons. There could be lots of barriers and problems that need to be worked through. But you want to do all you can to eliminate barriers because he is your dad. And moms have to help with that. But keep dad posted on what's going on so he can protect you. I remember when I was a pretty young Christian, I was attending a church where I was on a staff helping out with their, um, their youth program. And the pastor was trying to set me up with a guy that I was working with. And I just was, I was appalled at the thought of it. <laughs> but he kept on and his wife took me aside and, you know, he didn't. I just, I remember thinking I wanted to throw up and cry at the same time. And would God do that to me? You know, would God do that to me? Make me marry somebody like that? And I told my parents about it, who were young believers also. Well, years later... After I was married, I found out my dad called the pastor. <laughs> and he said, you just leave her alone. And I said, wonderful. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for doing that. But see, if I hadn't kept him posted on what was happening, he wouldn't have been able to protect me that way, even though I didn't know about it at the time. Um, basically, he said, lay off. And then I know of another situation where a daughter was working. And finally, she had this job where the boss was bothering her. Finally, she said to her dad, do I have to let him kiss me on the back of the neck when he walks by? I mean, did, he's like, what? <laughs> you know, so, and of course she should have known, right? Okay, yes, but she didn't. She wasn't sure. She'd never had a job before and, and a boss. And, and so her dad, <laughs> yeah, and her dad went, of course, took care of it right away. So there are lots of things like that that daughters Keep dad posted and keep mom posted on what's going on. Like, you know, this boy is bothering me at school or he's at, talking to me here or, you know, whatever it is. Just let them process it. And they can't do that if they're not getting information. So, but that's something to respect dad for is thank you for running interference. Thank you for, um, for watching out for me. When uh, Rachel was in first grade, a little boy wrote a note to Doug, delivered it to him in the car. He was waiting to pick Rachel up. said, Pastor Wilson, I love Rachel. You know, signed his name. <laughs> and, of course, we thought it was really funny. But at the same time, you know, we thought, well, he knows the right way to go. You know, give Doug the note, not Rachel the note. But Doug called his dad. It's like, you know, we're not interested. We're not doing that. But it's just that sometimes... Dad doesn't need you to tell him. He may know more than you do. In that case, he did. But um, at any rate, keep Dad informed. That helps build your respect for him, gives him opportunities to protect you and guide you and give you advice and so forth. So keep, keep talking. Now, I understand, like I said earlier, there can be lots of hindrances. And if there are, we'll talk to Mom. Talk to Mom and have her help you figure out how to talk to Dad. Because uh, there are ways. Okay, so mothers, be teaching respect. Be doing it. Be doing it. Respecting your husband. Verbally respecting. And that means an absence of complaining, an absence of back chat, an absence of 
uh, talking about dad when he's not there or of running, you know, getting in between dad and daughter. or There's all kinds of ways we can mess up. Um, but it means you all thinking seriously about, am I doing this? Am I a good model for my daughter? Is she seeing this and thinking, yeah, mom does that well? If not, uh, get to work on that. Okay, the next thing, submission. You know, and we all have to apply submission on lots of different levels. And this is something, again, that we're called to do. We're, we're to submit to our husbands, but we're also um, to su- submit, first of all, to God. As part of the contentment is just living in submission and at peace. We're called to submit to him. You're called to submit to your dad while you're at home, having a high view of his authority, and it ought to be cheerful obedience. Not grumpy obedience or um, snarly obedience or slam the door obedience, but cheerful obedience. The boss, you know, if you have a job, if you're babysitting even, there's someone you need to obey. You know, uh, this is what I want you to do, and you've got to follow through. If you have teachers, you have to learn to submit your teachers. Um, so we want to inculcate a good work ethic to our daughters. And even the elders at church, we want to be submissive there when the elders make a decision that we're not grumbling, complaining, and our kids hear that and say, oh, that's what you do. That's how you submit to elders is complain about it. Or that's how you submit to your boss is when you get home, you complain about all the work they gave you. Or this is how you, you see what I mean? We have to model this and not be complainers. Remember, you know, the way you are now is the way you're, you're on, you have a trajectory, you're going somewhere. And I tell people, you know those little old ladies who are so cranky? Just cranky. We, they, were, they were cranky when they were my age or when they were young. You know, it's not a new thing when they suddenly turned 80. Um, but I do think they have more to complain about when they're older because everything hurts, you know, or it's hard. Life is hard. And so, when we're tempted to complain now, we we'll say, no, I don't want to be a little old cranky lady, so I better not be even a little bit cranky now because it's all going to bear fruit later. So in teaching submission, what moms, what you want your daughters to see is that when, and a lot of this is behind the scenes, but that if they know this is not probably your choice, but Dad wants to do this, and you're going along cheerfully. That's the kind of example you want to set. And not rolling, looking at Don, rolling your eyes like, you know, oh, that's a stupid thing we have to do, but here we go, you know. And, or nobody else wants to go to this place on vacation, but here, you know, just setting the tone. Mom is setting the tone. And you've got to uh, do it cheerfully. All right, the next thing is teaching domesticity. You know, um, the biggest enemy to domesticity in the Reformed world is not feminism. It's not feminism. It's this um, domest- domesticity Nazism. That is, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. You have to stay home. You gotta bake bread. You gotta have a dozen babies, and you gotta do it this way. And you gotta. There is this pressure that comes out in reform circles that is um, a real threat to the real 
the real deal. And it's a law. That's what I mean by it's a law. We want our daughters to love domesticity, love the thought of managing a home, not feel like, oh, you know, I got to do this. I remember getting a letter one time from a lady, a credenda reader. I didn't know her, but she wrote me pages of all the things she did. You know, I don't wear makeup. I don't perm my hair. I breastfeed my babies. I make our own, I'm, you know, I make the bread. I On and on. And she said, and I just not sure I even saved. And because that's where she thought salvation was, is doing all these things. And there's this, um, there is an attitude that we just, we want to uh, resist, totally resist. And that is this, you have to, instead of you get to. You get to. Isn't that wonderful? You get to do this, not you have to do this. It's a huge difference. A, a huge, huge difference. For instance, if you hear about a lady, and maybe this is a test to see which camp you're in. Say you hear about someone who has two or three kids and her husband's in grad school and she has to work, you know, half time, three quarter time to help take care of it. If, if your reaction is, oh, that poor thing, then it's because you know it'd be more wonderful for her to be home. But if your reaction is, what a sinner, how dare she think that she should be working? You see the difference? Um, then you might be in that category of someone who feels, who feels under the law. That it's just, you have to do this or else. No, it's not a law. A law. We, want, um, we want to do it because we love it. We want to bake bread because it makes the house smell so good and it's so wonderful. Not because it earns us brownie points with God. Or we want to, you know, all these different things we do... Um, in the home, we want to do it as an overflow of joy and just, it's such a blessing to be there. So, if we don't love it though, our daughters aren't going to love it. And I've talked to daughters who have grown up in that kind of environment and they think, I am never going to have kids. I'm never going to, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's awful. And you think, okay, what did we do wrong? How do they think it's awful? Okay, so, we want to teach domesticity first by just understanding it ourselves that it's such a privilege, it's such a blessing, it's such a bonus. <laughs> it's a bonus. We get to do this. And remember, we're yes, we're preparing daughters for marriage, but even if they don't get married, we want them to have a home, don't we? We want them to be flourishing and enjoying life and, and being domestic and not um, thinking, well, I'm just going to, bide my time until I'm married. I think it's your daughter should be learning to be domestic, loving it all the way up, more and more, all the time. So that means that you're teaching them. And the things you don't know how to do, you're, you're getting them classes and, and doing fun things so they can learn. I remember buying a, uh, something at one of the Logos auctions. It was cooking classes by Lanier Banks. And, oh, Rachel, we bought that for Rachel. Loved it. And I tell you, that was worth every penny. And uh, she just took off. And, and she already had an interest, but it was just such a fun thing to do. Um, but teaching them how to be good shoppers. And if you don't know how, we'll find somebody who does. And that's one of the blessings of the Christian community. There are so many talented women. I've asked um, Jan Sawyer if she'll do a little house cleaning seminar, which she said she'd be happy to do, 
because she was a professional house cleaner for 15 years, and she could do two houses before lunch. And I said, Jan, we need to talk. <laughs> so anyway, but that's the kind of thing we need to share, share and be excited to learn so that we get better at what we're doing, enjoying it more, and our daughters enjoy it also. But decorating, um, just some of those domestic arts that are disappearing, like the little lady who does the tatting. And uh, my daughter got to go over and meet her and learn to tat from her. She's in her 90s, I believe, when Rachel learned. So, But several girls, girls or ladies have learned to tat from her because tatting, it's like, what happened to that? It's gone. Um, or knitting or sewing or crocheting or just all these things. There's so much, so little time. And G.K. Chesterton said... I think it's in his book, Brave, uh, Brave New Family. He said, you know, in the working world, a woman can become an expert. Okay? She's an expert, whatever it is that she does. But at home, she may not be an expert in anything, but she can be a good cook and a good seamstress and a good decorator and a good hostess. And, a, you know, just, it's broader. It's not more limiting. But... When you are, and his whole, his whole uh, chapter is, is having to do with the career, you know, women leaving the home to pursue a career because that's better. You know, that's, that's what we're really supposed to be doing, and they're rejecting the uh, domestic calling. But he's just saying, don't you see that it's a broader, more expansive experience for the woman? She gets to use so many more gifts than if she just does this one thing only. And again, I'm not slamming mothers working outside the home. I think there's lots of reasons why mothers have to do that. Um, but it's just keeping that balance of the home as the center of operations. Home is center of operations. And if you're, if you're uh, working outside the home, it's just keeping that. If you can do that and keep your home central, foremost, the number one, then uh, God bless you. And there's lots of women that have to do it, want to do it, have gifts they should be using. So... Um, we can't just have a uh, law, a rule. You may not. How dare you? <laughs> no. Okay, but anyway, with our girls, promoting these things, gardening and hospitality, teaching them how to do it, giving them opportunities, letting them make a big mess in the kitchen, <laughs> letting them do these things, letting them have people over. Um, I laid down a lot of money on fabric, and I can remember thinking, well, this is an investment in her. It may not ever get worn, but this is, <laughs> she's learning how to sew, you know, and keep buying the fabric and buying, and never a pattern, because my older daughter, Becca, never wanted a pattern. So she would design these things and uh, maybe never wear them. But it was a good experiment, you know. It was a, she was learning how to do it. And I just can remember thinking that so many times, like, I'm investing in her, even if no dress came out of this. Um, <laughs> And it paid off. It paid off. So just having that, just enabling your daughters to do some of the things they want to do, encouraging those gifts you see them having and making time for it and promoting it. Um, one of the things, though, I will say, as far as homemaking and um, making our homes wonderful places to be in, is that it takes time, obviously, um, 
but it has to be the overflow again. It can't be from the outside in where you're just clamping down on everybody. But I do say this to the college girls often, and I'll say it to you daughters. What is your bedroom like? And of course, well, Mom, what is yours like? Maybe I better ask that too. And I tell them that whatever your bedroom is like, that's what you're saying that we need to export. Okay? This is it. And for you daughters, that's probably all you really have to take care of is your little bedroom. You know, that's it. However many square feet you've got. Well, what's it look like? Because that's what you're really saying by your behavior. It's what, this is what it's all about. This is what we want to spread around in the community, the world, like this. You think, ah! Um, so take dominion first, right at home, and it will work its way out. But start there. And take delight in it. And find out, moms, if the room is a pit. Well, what is the problem? Is it the room or is it the girl? You know, what's, or both. What do we need to do? And how can we make her understand this is important? This is reformational. And it's good. Okay, finally, I'd like to just talk a few minutes about preparing to send your daughters out. Letting them go. You know, they're going to hit the age where they're going to um, get married or go to school or leave, you know, eventually, sometime, they're going to go. And we want to be preparing for that because really, you know, we don't want um, long term, we want them to go, right? <laughs> we want them to go eventually. And... Um, we want to give them the right idea about marriage, that it's not an escape hatch. We want our homes to be the kind of places where they don't want to run away, they don't want to escape, that there'd have to be a good reason for them to leave this place. And so um, marriage is a means, it's not an end. Like, okay, we made it, she got married, you know, now we're done. No, it's a means of glorifying God. It's not an end in itself. And so we don't want to push our daughters, push and push and push them. Okay, get married. Would you just get married? And I've seen girls who are 17, 18, worrying that they're not married yet. Think, what are you thinking? What is, where's the fire? What is the big hurry? Um, take it easy. Finish your education. Get, um, don't rush into this. And, um, and I think sometimes it could be because they want to get away. It could be because they've just got it in their heads that this is the goal this is the prize and once you get it now you can just relax and until then uh, you're just sort of at, at loose ends no we want our daughters to be glorifying God using their gifts growing uh, being productive members of the church community until um, if God brings them a husband well of course we're praying for that that's good we want that but um it's not an end, okay? It's a beginning. And once they go, you know, moms, once they really do <laughs> get married and go, you really have to shift gears. And I said this uh, one of the other nights, that you know how important it is to you to please your parents. And so your daughters feel that way about you. And once they're married, you don't want to be critical. You know, what are you doing that for? And... Um, Yes, there are, there are times for input. It depends on your relationship. But be preparing yourself, thinking, you know, this is my window right here. This is my time 
to teach and share and give input and so forth. And once they're married, I don't have that same uh, responsibility anymore. And they're, they're, in a sense, on their own. Now, um, certainly, there's, especially my kids, they all live here. My goodness, I see them every day. I talk to them. We just have lots and lots of interaction. They ask me questions. You know, we've got a wonderful relationship with our kids. But I want to be careful that I don't criticize or offer when they weren't wanting it or um, just be kind of still the mom figure in the old sense, but to be more of this cheerleader, supporter, that role. Um, so be so be thinking of that even now, mothers and daughters, and daughters be thinking, okay, mom, give me all you got now because, you know, I want to make the most of my time at home. You're only at home so many years. I've been married 30 years next month, and I was at home for 18. And... Um, and I, and I thank the Lord for those years, and I thank the Lord for the input my mom has been able to give me since then. And I think that's another thing daughters can do is ask for that input. Ask and ask and ask for dad's input. And don't be shy about it, but get it and appreciate it and be grateful to God for it. But meanwhile, to be looking, thinking long term that, you know, when my kids leave, I want them to always feel like they're welcome and they're not obligated. And you all know what it's like, Thanksgiving's coming and Christmas, to feel obligated. Like, we have to go be with my parents. We have to go spend time here. And you want your kids to never feel that kind of a pressure um, obligation. You want them to come because they want to come, not because they're obligated. Because you will make sure there's a, you let them know some way that you're not happy, that they didn't stay long enough or they didn't. It's your turn or uh, that kind of thing. I think the more we set our children free, the more eager they want to come back. They, they want to come. Okay? All right. Um, well, um, I've, so enjoyed, I've so enjoyed meeting with you all, seeing you. It's been really nice to have you here. And, um, and I just encourage you. I just hope that if I can be any help, encouragement, privately, whatever, don't hesitate to holler. And... Um, such a, it's such a blessing that we have so many wonderful moms and daughters right here in our community to support each other. See, we're on the same page. And I think sometimes meetings like this are good in that we're all hearing at the same time. Think, oh, yeah, that's true. So we can speak to one another. And daughters can say, remember the contentment thing. We've got to work on that. <laughs> or, you know, um, there's that sort of mutual accountability. Well, let's close in prayer. Father, we do pray you would help us to be contented women, that you'd bless us with gentle, quiet spirits and with a respectful, submissive demeanor toward our husbands, our fathers. And I pray that you would help us to um, learn to love our calling as homemakers and uh, to embrace the domestic calling and to become experts, really, in many, many areas. Um, that we would keep pursuing these things all of our days. And we pray for our daughters that you would um, cause them to truly be um, columns sculpted in the palace style. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the All of Christ for All of Life podcast. 
That was a message from our audio collection titled Mothers and Daughters. If you'd like to hear the rest of the talks, you can purchase them at canonpress.com.